the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking unicorns and rainbows. Who doesn't love a good double rainbow? Who doesn't love a good unicorn? So the markets are playing with unicorns and rainbows. And give me a second and I'll figure this out. We'll all get there if you know what I'm saying. Um, Markets are near all-time highs. And it's kind of wonderful, like a rainbow. It's kind of wonderful, like a unicorn. (laughs) That would be more of a horsey. Horsey, you don't get to play the part of... of, uh, Unicorn. Okay, so stock market made a big run yesterday. And basically, it's flicking its nose at... Anyone who's negative. Stock market's going, you know what? We're going to, you know, play near record highs. The IMF, there's a news report that they're warning of the risks of deflation and the risks of how deflation would play out in emerging markets. So that's got a little bit of a risk. It's out there. You know, it's the whole radar where you're in a submarine and you're like, It's not a lot of risk. It's, it's out there, though. I think we can get through it, right? So there was some chatter that the growing violence in the Ukraine was unnerving investors. Um, that's certainly stunning images. I would go as far as to call them unnerving. Again, I live in a world where, how shall I say, people are more concerned about school scores they're more concerned about Starbucks and an In-N-Out Burger. I don't want an In-N-Out Burger. Come to my city. Okay. So we're not lighting things on fire. We're not shooting at each other in my neighborhood yet. Maybe we'll get there. But yeah, you know, how did I, I how did I celebrate the violence in Ukraine and the defeat of Russia last night in world hockey tied towards the Olympics? Oh, I had chicken Kiev. Oh, I did. So whether or not Ukrainian leaders can get a truce put in place or not, it's kind of on the radar again. So we got that whole worldwide deflation. Bleep. Bleep. And then we also have the um, Kiev-Ukrainian issues. Now, at the Fed Open Market Committee notes or minutes, which really aren't minutes. It's what they released that they want you to pay attention to. Like, true minutes would be, and then she picked her nose. And then, oh my God, she ate it. Um, you're not really getting a good, dirty insight into what the Fed actually is doing. You're getting a release of what they want you to say they talked about. Um, so, 
everything's pretty consistent right now. You know, the Fed, you know, yesterday didn't really upset the apple cart, of which, for the record, what is an apple cart? But yesterday's sell-off shows you that people can be kind of anxious. And yet we're playing near record highs. And you should be always, I I think a a healthy dose of anxiety is a good thing. So the flash PMI reading that China checked in at 48.3, it marked a seven-month low. And the second straight month reading was in contraction. So stuff is starting to show up on the radar more. Manufacturing PMI in the Eurozone slipped to 53 from 54 reading in January. Still expanding, but not by much. Walmart issued a first quarter in 2015 earnings per share guidance below expectations, citing economic concerns. The Walmart customer, the Walmart customer in America is in trouble. I think you know that. I think that makes sense to you. Japan reported a record monthly trade deficit for January with imports exceeding exports. So there's some some negative there's some stuff that we're like starting to say okay be, let's be careful here. Initial claims for the week ending February 15 dipped to 335,000. <clears> What's <throat> an interesting note about that was um not much. It's kind of in line with expectations. CPI, Consumer Price Index in the United States, which excludes food and energy, was up one-tenth of a percent, pretty much so in, in line with consensus expectations. Tesla. Okay, so I think I basically just said that everything was average to below average. And the market's still, it's not falling apart. What's the market doing? What's the market doing? Um, who invented coleslaw? Who? Um, SP 500 is down one, the Dow is down four, the Nasdaq's down fractions. They all opened in positive territory. Facebook values WhatsApp as if it's a miracle drug. So WhatsApp, which is uh, a messaging service in poorer countries, i.e., not the United States. A lot of people use it. It's free for the first year. It's a buck for the second year. Um, dude who founded WhatsApp goes from food stamps to being a billionaire. I know you're asking, are you going to continue to do that annoying WhatsApp all day long? Probably. Probably. Tesla's up 12% in the uh, market today. They uh, beat expectations. Let's, let's just put it this way. It's like a drunk makeout session. Owning shares of Tesla is like a drunk makeout session. It's probably you're going to probably sober up and go, "Ooh, thought you had a little less hair on your arm," or you're probably going to sober up and go, "Ooh, not what I was expecting." You're missing a tooth or two, but for now, Tesla's all that in a bucket of chicken. Facebook paying $16 billion to buy WhatsApp. They've got 450 million active users. In theory, they're the only company out there that could have disrupted what Facebook is trying to do. And what Facebook is trying to do is penetration. So, I don't know. I don't think I'm making any sense. Is this microphone on? Is Can you hear me? Hello? 
Hello? Um, those are the top stories of the day so far. And there's some other ones out there. California drought. California Governor Jared Brown and the top Democratic lawmakers announced a $687 million plan to provide immediate help to drought-stricken communities throughout California. Could you not, like, want rain more? And then this story goes away. But not really happening. Um, elsewhere? I'm going to hit a little bit more on WhatsApp later. I'm going to hit Tesla pretty hard and pretty aggressive. I promise. Anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You're listening to Rob Black. Your money, I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and much, 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 much more. We can talk a little um, Walmart. Their customer is hurting. What does that tell you about where our economy is? Their customer is aggressively hurting. 800-516-1220. You can follow me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. I put up some videos on occasion. Um, with that said, i got an event coming up in... Where is the event coming up at? Pleasanton, that's right. Sheraton Hotel, February 27th. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black. Have car. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So we have a $425 million Powerball winner. Well, the payout in a lump sum is $242 million. I refer to it as the stupid person tax. What's interesting to note... I think we could all pick these numbers, right? 1, 17, 35, 49, 54, Powerball of 34. Yeah, I, those are all spread out. Get away. Um, it's Northern California winner. winner. I know this is like one of those times where it's actually going to be someone who has teeth that doesn't live in Georgia in a trailer with his mother. Um, bizarre. Powerball's record jackpot, $590 million, um, was basically won by a woman with double glaucoma in her eyes and was about ready to die. She's probably died since. Woohoo! United States leading the medal counts in the Winter Olympics. I'm such a homer. Anyhow, anyway, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's take a look at these market numbers. Although my internet is creeping along today. Of uh, which I'm going to blame Comcast, I'm going to blame Google, AT&T, and everyone else. SP 500 up 2, the Dow's up 24, the NASDAQ up 3. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Retirement, it's big, big, big decision. When do you do it? How much do you need? Where do you live? Many, many, many questions arise, Chad. Thoughts on questions in retirement? Yeah, I mean, the first one, and I asked this of a client uh, yesterday that happened to be diligent saver. Um, I mean, this is a guy that um, is worth 
you know, over $6 million. Wow. And he does stuff like he has a business trip to L.A., so rather than drive his own car down to L.A. and put miles on it, he finds a deal where he can, for four days, rent a car for a total of $100. Nice. Drive down to L.A., drop it back off in the airport, you know, when he gets done. And so I asked him, I said, okay, you're talking about, we're talking about retiring from a certain company in a couple of years. He, needs, he wants to say, because there's a certain amount of options that are there, that it's really a good paycheck if he stays and, and, and is able to exercise those options in RSUs. So I asked him, I said, what are you going to do when you retire? You're 53 years old. What, what are you going to do? It's like, good question. I don't know. I can't play golf all week long. I can't do this. It's just like, I'll probably take some time off then and maybe look for a fun startup to work for or something like that. So are you ready to retire? What, what are your passions in life that's going to get you out of bed every day? If you don't have those, then transition into retirement. Then figure out what those passions are. Because just because you have enough money to retire doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, I've got noble causes of, of teaching kids to read and teaching kids to swim, but yeah. I might get tired of that. Like, I don't have a clue. I can't answer that, what, what I do in retirement. I can't either. You know, my passions now in life are things like snowboarding, hell skiing, that, that type of stuff. And, and that's, I can't picture what I'm going to do when I'm older. Uh-huh. I've got to wait until my knees give out, and then I'll be able to figure that out, maybe travel again. So, you know, I, I, my plan is to enjoy those types of things now. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm 60 years old. Yeah, and when I look at people who are 60, 70 and who are just hanging out in town, they don't look happy to me. Yeah. I have a plan. That's for sure. And then that's when you can say, okay, can you afford to retire or not? That's when you can answer that question because... Funding your retirement lifestyle? Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, being able to afford to retire is using the right projections. It all comes down to, like I've talked about so many times, is knowing what your expenses are. Yeah. And knowing what your extra retirement expenses are going to be. It's not a cut in expenses. It's usually an increase because that first five or ten years, you're spending more money on your travel, your gifting, seeing the grandkids, second home, RVs. Well, the guy you mentioned, you know, $6 million in his 50s, it's, he's too young to retire. He needs to work for companies that give him health care. He's got a lot of money. Don't get yeah. me wrong. No, but he, he, that health care is expensive. It is. And, and that's the other thing is that, you know, in terms of your retirement and putting into your expenses – Healthcare is going to get more expensive based yeah. on the Affordable Care Act. Um, costs are going to probably go up from from everything that I'm reading, and the Medicare reimbursements are going to go down. So that means things like deductibles and copays will probably increase on your Medigap coverage. Um, so that's why when we sit there and we we itemize all of the expenses, anything that's healthcare related, copays, dentistry prescription drugs, we're putting 5 to 6% inflation riders on them. Everything else you can be 3%. That's fine because in, in retirement you can control inflation on everything except your health care costs. Food, your consumption goes down, travel goes down, but the health care goes up. So whether or not you can afford to retire, you can say, okay, normal expenses at 3 3.5% minimum growth, 5% inflation on health care costs. Make sure that even though your investments could earn more than 6%, don't use more than 6, 6.5% long-term rates of projection on your portfolio to see how long everything's going to last. Can you truly afford to retire? Do you have enough safe money and you have enough dividend yield off your stocks and enough interest off your bonds to actually afford to retire? I'm liking it. Um, how about the, the age-old concept of Social Security? Some people that I know say take Social Security the moment you qualify for it. Some people would say, look at your parents. How long did they live? And, and Take it later in life if they lived, uh, you know, a hundred. Then take it as late as you can take it. Yeah, I think I think that's a huge mistake. The only time that we're looking at saying, okay, take it as soon as you can take it, is when, um, you know, there's health issues. 
now most of the time on most of the plans, especially for people that are 55 to 65 years old, we're running Social Security Max software, which talks about you know when to file, when to file and suspend and put it off. And if you have two people that have worked, uh, the spouse that made the least amount of income can take their own benefit for a while and then switch to a spousal benefit later. So maximizing Social Security is very important. And, um, you know, people are living till about 86 to, to 90 years old is kind of a current rate, but you got to plan to live till you're 100 years old. Not me. I know you don't want to. No, just, is, we had lunch the other day. You said you're just waiting to die. I'm waiting to die. So <laughs> life is so good to me, I'm just waiting Sucking to die. Sucking down bacon, washing it down with scotch, and waiting to die. You know, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm taking, I'm going to disparage, that's a disparaging comment. I have to. <laughs> I'm not sucking down bacon. For the record, you'd need to eat about seven strips of bacon to die early from bacon. A hot dog is a lot worse than bacon, and I don't eat hot dogs. I'm allowed to eat more bacon. Don't knock bacon. Turkey bacon. Turkey bacon. (laughs) Filthy comment. Filthy comment. (laughs) You're listening to me, Rob Black. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. We've got Chris Siaccia coming up, talking a little Tesla this morning. Elon Musk talking Tesla's SUV going to be more popular than the Model S sedan, but can he make enough of them? We'll talk a little bit about the debate on valuation, probably competition versus someone like, say, GM, who could outmanufacture ultimately anyone on the planet. But does that even matter when you've got the it car? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The WhatsApp founder goes from food stamps to becoming a billionaire. That's one of those big stories out there. Interesting to pay so much money from Facebook. Dilute of his own shares. Mark Zuckerberg's making a big statement. Diluting his own shares to go out and acquire the competition or the future competition. Coming up, we've got Chris Siaccio from the street. We're talking Tesla. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Joining me now. I'm waking up, the action does. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Very excited to talk a little Tesla. Tesla announced fourth quarter earnings yesterday. They expect to um, 55% vehicle delivery growth in 2014. When I see a Tesla on the road, I notice it. When I see a Tesla parked, I notice it and I look inside of it. Let's bring in Chris Siaccia, technology editor of the street. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Just saw you on CNBC a couple hours ago. Um, talk to us about Tesla. Well, just to touch on your comment about seeing Teslas in the parking lot, I was lucky enough to be able to test drive one a few months ago, and I'm still (laughs) drooling. So I can understand why people are so excited about not only this stock, but the company as well. 
the, uh, they've de- they delivered close to 6,900 cars in the quarter, and for 2014 they're expecting 35,000, and that's not really including the Model X, which I'm drooling even more about than the Model S. Now, when you talk about drooling, let's go here for a second, because you got to test drive one, and you're all thrilled about it. Would you pay for it? If I had that kind of money, absolutely. That's a it, good question. It's the most incredible driving experience I've ever had. It's full torque instantly. It, they've thought of every little bell and whistle you could possibly ever want. There's no reason to go anywhere else, in, at least in my opinion. Musk was cute during the conference call. He uh, said it's like fish are jumping in our boat. Like people want our vehicles. Do you think GM can copy that? I mean, there's no patent on torque. There's no patent on smooth. There's no patent on the the you know the drivability. But they just don't seem to execute it. No, and it comes down to the, it comes down to a, a number of things. One, Tesla's been able to get everything right. It took them a while to do it. I mean, let's think about it. Tesla didn't just crop up overnight. The company's been around for a decade. GM's been around for close to 100 years now, if not more. So they are, you know, a much bigger company. They have to go through a lot of bureaucracy that Tesla doesn't have to currently deal with. And Musk pretty much runs everything at Tesla. If he doesn't like something, it doesn't happen. And that's kind of why we've seen the Model X get pushed back to now spring 2015, because he, he keeps tinkering with it, and he doesn't really like how it's coming out right now. GM doesn't have that luxury. They just kind of mass-produce products, and if the market doesn't like it, the market doesn't like it. Do you have any thoughts on comparing the growth of the company to their stock, or you don't even want to get into the stock, you just want to focus on the vehicle? Well, the stock, the stock and the company are two different things. The right. stock's been... The stock's being valued like it's a technology company, and and I guess that's rightfully so. I mean, Tesla's growing revenues 55% year over year. They've managed to beat every possible Wall Street metric. Gross margins were astounding. They're over 25%, and they said they're going to get to 28% by the end of this year. Other car companies like GM or Ford, they're – much, much more mature. They've been around for a lot longer period of time, so you can't really compare Tesla to, to GM to, or Ford or another automaker. It's a completely different ball game. So really the, the closest competitor for Tesla in terms of the stock is a company that uh, – a technology company that's growing revenues you know, 50% year over year. The problem that I have is – and again, this is what you and I will come back to – in the future is it's a manufacturing company that manufactures cars. It's not a tech company. They don't have an app. They don't have 100 million users. It, it It's tough to really digest how great the car is, yes. Compared to the stock, it's tough to make that and tell people, give this five years and see what happens. And Yeah, you probably can give it five years and it'll work out well for you, but most people don't. Um, any thoughts on uh, the model the, the Model X? Um, you could reserve it for five thousand dollars. You don't get it till twenty fifteen. Oh, like wouldn't that kill you? Yeah, I mean, if if you really want something, it's it sucks, but you gotta wait until it's ready. And, and they keep tinkering with it. They've moved it back from twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen. Now the middle of twenty fifteen. 
if you plunk down $5,000, obviously, you know, you're going to be willing to wait. I've seen the prototype of the car. It's incredible. It's very different from any SUV. And from, you know, from what I've read and when I've talked to the company, they, they say that it's really a revolutionary SUV. I mean, obviously, we know that Tesla, you know, plays the public relations game exceptionally well, better than most, if not all companies. Um, but this is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. And I was never a car enthusiast until a few years ago. And I can honestly say that driving the Model S makes me uber, uber excited for the Model X. Tell me a little bit about that driving experience. Um, the entertainment console is something that I think stands out when you see it displayed on television. Um, was it a distraction at all? Was it? An, is there any negative you can talk about the driving experience? I had no negatives. I was able to take the car out onto the Garden State Parkway for about six or eight hours, and the first thing you notice, you're right, is the display. It's basically like a giant iPad. Right. It has everything you could possibly want, you know, whether it's um, the sunroof, Internet radio, everything's at the, at the touch of your fingers. It's, it's so well thought out. Google Maps, I mean, they've thought of literally everything that you could possibly ever want and put it in a car. It's basically like driving a souped-up computer that you can go 100 miles an hour or 0 to 60 in 4.2 seconds. It's, it's awesome. I'm speaking with Chris Iaccia, technology editor of thestreet.com. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Google Maps. Obviously, there's been a recent talk about Apple and Tesla, Apple and Elon Musk chatting. Uh, what have you taken away from the rumors out there about that conversation? Well, Musk confirmed last night that the two companies did speak, and but obviously, you know, they can't talk about what they did speak about. Ultimately, there are a couple ways that that relationship could go. Apple could be a partner in this Gigafactory, which Tesla's working on building, we'll hear more about next week, where they build lithium-ion cells. Maybe Apple uses that for uh, batteries, for solar packs, for its data centers. Maybe there's a way that they can work on various iDevices. Or maybe Apple, you know, kind of does get a little bit more integrated into the Model S and subsequent Tesla cars. The Model S runs on a Linux operating system, so it's open. So maybe we see Apple take over the user interface with iOS in the car, which Apple talked about at its developer conference last year. So maybe we see Apple Maps eventually come into uh, the Model S, or maybe you can use iMessage or Siri or something like that. There's a whole mess of opportunities that the two companies can work on. Anything else that we need to know about Tesla and the numbers, the report that came out yesterday, stock hitting all-time highs today, anything else that we need to adjust? Just, I, I would warrant caution here if you're, if you're looking to get into the stock. I and mean, we've already seen it had a tremendous run year-to-date as well as last year. Musk talked about the upcoming probe from the NHTSA, which is, you know, the government's version of safety for transports and, and automotives. He expects that we could see a favorable result, but, you know, obviously Musk doesn't have inside information from, from the agency, and if there's any kind of hint of a negative reaction from that, we could see the stock move lower, or if 
there are problems with battery production, battery cells, and additional supply constraints, we could see the stock move lower on that as well. Any thoughts on the car dealerships basically hating the business model that Musk is introducing? And like states like Washington may or may not say, okay, you get two showrooms and that's it. Any thoughts on the, the I guess, the legal issues with the states coming forward? Yeah, people hate change. And if you are a competitor, as Tesla is, to, to the car dealerships, because they don't have their own dealerships, they, they have showrooms or stores and malls, and then you order it online, people are going to feel threatened. So it's their right to feel threatened, but we've learned in life you either innovate and compete or you wind up getting you know, pushed aside, and that's happened with plenty of other companies. So either car dealerships need to offer additional services or something that, you know, makes people want to buy their products or they, people or Tesla just continues to grow, and, and, that, and that's what happens. I mean, right now we've seen the lobbyist organizations for car dealerships lobby really hard with state governments, and in some places they're winning and some places they're not. And ultimately, you know, that's up to the, to the regulators to decide what happens. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia, the tech editor at thestreet.com, talking technology. Um, he was seen earlier this morning on CNBC. Again, Tesla, a very big story. And it is a tech company, kind of. <laughs> it is a car company, kind of. It's a fun company to watch. It's got a CEO who is uh, magnanimous. He is interesting. Uh, he says things that you take a second to digest, and you're like, oh, okay, and you go forward with it. The idea of a battery-charged, battery-powered SUV, some people instantly turned off, but if it handles as well as your typical SUV, I think people will be, yes, sir. Uh, renewable, still very much so a big story. Um, as far as the energy goes that goes into these vehicles. Will Apple buy the company? Will they partner with the company? They both use batteries is what they have in common. But they also both do high-end product. Interesting. Chris Siaccia, tech editor for TheStreet.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Got a big event coming up in Pleasanton. To learn more about it at robblack.com. Stocks are trading higher as data showing an advance in American manufacturing. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We just talked Tesla. And is Tesla an appropriate investment for most people? No. Is GM? No. So it really depends. Whoops. Oh, oh. sorry about that. Just a little fender bender. Somewhere in between is where you are, and that's where you start. And then you go, do I need a little more growth? 
That's a lot of growth that you're paying for with Tesla. Or do you need a little more value? That's a lot of value that you get with shares of Ford and GM. You can go after the bonds of Ford or GM and do quite well. I don't think they're going to go out of business anytime soon. If that helps you grasp why you would want to own the bond, you lend them money, they pay you back. And in a worst-case scenario, the government steps in and bails them out. Maybe that won't always happen. What's interesting about Tesla, and I keep coming back to this, is they're going to boost production by 55%. And they're figuring out the whole production angle. At some point in time, they're going to go from a hyper-growth story to a growth story. They're charging stations uh, across the United States now. You can drive the car completely across the United States. They need to continue to build out that network, and hopefully they can license their technology or their charging stations to other electric vehicles out there, electric vehicle companies, um, and figure out a, a different business model, you know, uh, something that is what they already have, uh, but makes it better for said all parties. Why do I keep talking about Tesla? It's a story, and I think we all get it and we all understand it. They delivered 6,900 cars last month. I once was talking to the CEO of Sam Adams and uh, Boston Beer Company, publicly traded company, and he said, you know, the, the big companies, the Budweiser's, the world spill more beer than we, we crafted in a year. They spill more in a day than we craft all year. And that was cute, right? Whether it's not, it's true. Like, I don't see companies like Anheuser-Busch just pouring beer out just for the fun of pouring. Oh, what a sound. What a sound, what a sound, what a mighty fine sound, what a fine, fine, fine sound. It's a good story, and we all get it. And I look back 10 years, and I wish that when I heard that story on Sam Adams, when he was on my show, I did a nationwide business show, maybe it looked expensive at 16 bucks a share. And then look where it is today. And the story delivered. Craft beer delivered. I was in, uh, I saw some news reports out of Russian River this weekend on uh, the beer company there. And how well they're knocking it out of the the park. They have, for Pliny the Younger, a 6 to 10 hour wait at 11 a.m. to get 8 ounces of beer. Now, again, uh, all breweries aren't going to be like that, but that tells you there's big demand for it. Boston beer up $1 today, sitting at $226. Now, again, I remember when it was 16 to $20 a share, and I was like, man, it feels kind of expensive. Um, I don't know if I, I don't, and again, I had the interview with the CEO, like I said, 2003-2002, and look at where it is now. That story was sexy and sensational. Now, again, if you buy Tesla, you have to give it 10 years. You could buy it today, but you have to give it 10 years. You can buy it today, but if it goes down 30%, you have to buy more. You could buy it today, but if it goes up 10%, you have to buy a little bit more. It's a stock you don't just buy and, and, and you know, say, I'm going to get in, I'm going to get out. It's something you acquire. I would rather you buy one share of Tesla each and every year for the next 10 years than say, okay, I think it's going higher in the next year. I think the story is 10 years. Again, should you buy it? I don't have that answer for you. I don't own shares of it. 
Am I intrigued by, like, hell? Yeah. And I remember on this very airwaves, I told people, when this hits, you know, 140, 130, there's a lot of support. Um, sure enough, the cars caught fire. The stock went down to 120, 130, 140. <laughs> there we go. That's our fire sound effect for those who are keeping score at home. So you use opportunities by these great stories. Now, again, will it always work out? Like, Lululemon was a great story. I still think they have an upside. Um, but when the story breaks, it's painful. And if you can't take the pain, you can't play for the gain. Growth concerns are the forefront, disappointing today on Wall Street. Financials lag for the second consecutive day. Gold trading lower. Dollar index has been holding steady. Oil hit a new session low, telling you worldwide deflationary issues are a concern. It's still very, very cold in America, but natural gas seems to be coming off its highs. It's like there's so many words there that could get you in trouble, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um... We've had markets playing with recent all-time highs. We've had a lot of drama on the, woohoo, last year was so good. Woohoo, we're hitting new record highs this year. Oh, my. Now we're starting to pull back a little bit. It feels very dramatic. If that feels dramatic to you and you don't like it, it's something you have to get away from. Safeway up 4% on rumors that they're going private. Tesla up 7%. SP 500 up 7 Dow up 75, NASDAQ up 15. Got a big event coming up in Pleasanton. A couple Thursdays from now, it's an evening event. It is tied towards retirement strategies, wealth preservation. You can sign up for the event in Pleasanton at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. A couple Thursdays from now, end of the month. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Or call Travis Kropelka at 408-9-LLB. Today might be the day I drive. Midway, you could toot. Take the pledge to volunteer now at United Way. Five children. Now, luckily, comes in. They gather up surplus food and your local food bank at Feeding America. Together, we're Feeding America. For this special retirement planning workshop, that's robblack.com. You're one blood donate. One six. 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Talking a little new focus on wealth and wealth issues. You can get your calls on the air, 800-516-1220. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about the markets for sure. Stocks going up, stocks going down. That's kind of the story this year of we don't have a lot of visibility, which is kind of interesting. Why don't we have a lot of visibility? We don't have a lot of visibility because of cold weather. So it's a very, very difficult time of the year 
to say, the economic data looks weak. Let's blame it on the weather. If you're good with that, you're good with that. Let's go to a phone call. Let's go to Jim in Fairfield. Jim, how are you? Hi, good, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I've got a question. I've got um, a small percentage of my portfolio that I, for example, I just sold Visa. You know, I, I was in it from the beginning, and I sold the part that I work with just to put it in a company where I think will pretty kind of double pretty quick. I think, you know, for example, I'm looking for a company that, for example, like Bank of America, I think it'll hit 34 before Visa will hit 440. So, you know, I'm looking for a move like that. Are there a couple stocks you recommend? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. One thing I don't do is I don't cater towards, and I mean this with respect, you're basically asking a lowest common denominator kind of angle. If I were looking to double my money, I'm going to Vegas, I'm play blackjack. I'm not a gambler, I'm an investor. So I would rather you own Visa for 100 years than go out and say what stock will double. Now, again, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Um, we're just different beasts, and I'm not going to be able to help you. Um, and, again, that's no disrespect in any way, shape, or form. It's just... You know, I'm trying to help you grasp that you will eventually find someone who gives you the answer that you want to hear. And I think that's a bit of a mistake, and I think it's going to hurt you. Uh, uh, trying to, yeah, go ahead. Um, I understand. You know, and like I said, I've been in Visa for four or five years as long as it's been. You know, I'm willing to be patient, you know, on it. But, you know, I just. Oh, I, you know, I, 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 I totally understand what you're trying to say. Thanks for the call. So. We approach things differently, and I think I do you more of a service by telling you that. I can help you uncover early-stage growth opportunities. I talk about them all the time on the show. I talk strategies that work particularly well during earnings season. I try to show you strategies that utilize a mix of technical analysis, a little bit of fundamental, a little bit of subjective. Um, small and mid-cap areas certainly have that, I, that ability to break out. We do a lot of idea generation on the show. Smaller, younger companies, typically market cap under a billion dollars, you're looking for that breakout quarter. It's pretty easy to find if, if that's what you're looking for. Um, do I think Facebook has a great future? I do. Do I think Groupon has a great future? I kind of do. Um, Facebook just acquiring WhatsApp for a ridiculous amount of money tells you that the app, the connectivity between you and your mobile device, whether it be a phone or a tablet, is something that people are willing to pay a premium for. So, to me, Facebook acquiring WhatsApp basically endorses Groupon, it endorses Yelp, it endorses OpenTable, it endorses a lot of companies that have that connectivity app on your phone. Um, you know, I'm taking a look at my phone right now, and sure enough, like, if I go to a new city... Or let's say this weekend I'm, I'm cruising to Santa Cruz or cruising to Half Moon Bay. I can pull up my app and find out what's close to me and kind of get a deal on it. So I think that's an area that's probably the quote-unquote sexiest. Um, your analysis of I think Bank of America is going to double before Visa doubles, it's, it's preposterously it's, – it's so amateur that I can't even begin to find another word, uh, pre-amateur – um, it's a name. 
the spreads that banks are able to get at this point in time are not as great as in the 1990s. So don't compare it to the 1990s company. Um, do I like Bank of America? I do. I've told you for three years in a row that I like Bank of America. Um, I like the whole banking sector. Do I like regional banks? Absolutely. So if you're looking for a stock that's going to quote-unquote double, what you're really looking for is a metric where you get gross margins greater than 25%. You're looking for very low long-term debt. You're looking for 20% plus sales growth for three quarters, and you're going to find your double. The question is, do you have the courage to pull it off? You look at the companies and you look at their valuations, you're like, you're freaked out. Sequential increases in sales, that's a secondary data point. Profitability earnings per share growth, secondary. Operating margin, yes, it's important. The float, how many shares are outstanding? Can this move? Is actually one of the bigger issues. Um, you're looking for forward guidance on enterprise value and forward guidance on sales. Um, I don't think it's that tough to find growth ideas. I don't. And I like that your portfolio gets that exposure to some growth ideas. What I don't like is the approach that you're taking of give me and give me something I can double my money on. Because seriously, it is the most amateurish way to approach investing. Not saying you can't do it. Um, you know, there's so many companies, Adept Technology, Cray, Glue Mobile, all companies I've talked about in the past, Jinko Solar, Wageworks, W-A-G-E, Auto Vitel, absolutely, growth stock. Um, should you look for some new ideas like Craft Brew Alliance, ticker symbol B-R-E-W? It's so easy to find the stocks that double. But saying that I like Bank of America more than Visa because it has a better chance, you basically told me, I'm an idiot, euthanize me. Throw me in the Darwinian wood chipper. Because there's no difference between a $220 stock going to 440 and a $14 stock going to 30 or a $1 stock going to 2 Um, So some of my newest company ideas that I'm playing with, Glue Mobile, Matrix Services, Adept Technology. Um, but I don't think they're appropriate for most people. I do this for a living. I get up early. I stay up late. I'll probably die early. And, you know, one thing I want to ever say is something in name and silly to the point of you can't see what the point was. Safeway is putting itself up for sale. Here's a stock that I, I told you on the air that I bought. I told you when I sold it. What's frustrating is all heck about Safeway is I sold it 10 points ago. It goes from 16 to 25, 25 to 35. Um, I've known for a long time they're going to put themselves up for sale. I know someone who works at the company said they're going to put themselves up for sale. Everyone knows they're going to put themselves up for sale. The question is, will they fire their baggers? Um, that whole industry has put itself up for sale. It's not a big secret. Everyone's up for sale. Huge company. Very profitable company. But they need to change things up ever so slightly to keep things moving in a strategic direction. 
But anyway, you can find me online at robblack.com. It's Rob. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. New stall in Walnut Creek in this Bay Area update brought to you by... You swear the world has got you backed into a corner. But no one holds your hand to walk into a fight. You swear the light is going to find you. But it can't find you if you're waiting all the time. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. Um, thanks enormously for listening to the show and for supporting the show. I do appreciate it. You listen, and I will do my best to find stories for you that make sense. I will never, ever, ever be mean to be mean. That call who called in, I just think he's an amateur, and that's okay. Um, if I look at my my life, my social life in my 20s compared to my 30s, compared to my 40s, it's it's massively different. Hopefully you can say the same thing. Uh, to look for a stock that doubles is a great concept, but it's flawed to start there. Tesla earnings, pretty solid. They're boosting production by 55%. It's a hyper-growth company with a hyper-growth valuation. Will it grow in that valuation next 10 years? I think so. Would I buy it today? No. Not unless I'm going to hold it for 10 years. My portfolio doesn't have a lot of spaces that are just kind of like dead money. Let's wait for it to grow. And, yeah, I totally, totally get the value of the long-term investment in it, which is funny to say, value of long-term. S&P 500 is up 6, the Dow is up 75, the NASDAQ up 15. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com, regular guest on the show. Today we're talking a little life insurance investment tip and estate planning tip. I like the tips. People like the tips. People like the easy, digestible content that Chad Burton throws out. So, well, my first tip when it comes to life insurance is uh, it doesn't work well as an investment. Okay. Now, that's one of the things insurance salespeople will do. They'll say, look, you get the insurance, but there's also an investment and a savings component, and you can borrow from it in the future. So there's a lot of bells and whistles in insurance. Well, yeah, right. But if somebody sells you life insurance as an investment before maxing out your 401k, contributing to a Roth, or doing a non-deductible contribution and converting it to a Roth if you're not eligible for a Roth, and they do a financial plan, and the first thing they do is sell you life insurance, they are awful planners. They are not fiduciaries. They should be upfront saying, I'm not a fiduciary. Don't use my services. This is essentially what they should do. Between you and me, though, Chad, I don't think the public knows that, and I don't think insurance people know that. I think insurance people are typically high school educated. I don't think they've got any sort of degree in economics. I don't think they have any sort of degree in, in investing, which is looking into the future, whereas insurance is worst-case scenarios. Yeah. So it is just a mixing of, of theories. You know, some of the favorite people I like to hire are certified financial planners that are recovering insurance people. Like they spent a good five, ten years selling insurance. Twelve-step programs. Realize that they don't like selling and they like financial planning, but they want to do it on a fee basis. They know a lot about that industry, which you have to know to be a good planner. You have to know how insurance works. When is it right? Ninety percent of the population needs to buy term life insurance and invest the difference. But there are specific t- reasons when you buy permanent life insurance, like if you're doing pension planning, if you have a pension that's going to go away when you die or be cut in half for your spouse, you need you, term insurance isn't going to work. You need permanent. 
If you have an estate issue where, let's say you're a small business owner or own a lot of property, and you die, there's a huge estate tax bill sold or due when you die, and the only way to do it is to do a fire sale on the property or the business to pay the estate taxes, that's a problem. And that's when you need life insurance held in a trust or an irrevocable life insurance trust using permanent insurance. And in fact, right now, there's such gifting opportunities for wealthy people out there that they can gift a lot of money into a trust which buys the insurance and they can cover their entire state tax bill because for 2012 and 2012 only, it looks like uh, you can gift up to $5 bucks out of your state while you're alive without paying any gift tax. So um, the issue is, is you know, using life insurance as an investment, so many things can go wrong. They sell you this policy as an investment, right. you, showing you a ledger with great rates of return, they don't show you the other side of the ledger, which says, here's what happens if mortality expenses go up, overall expenses of the policy go up, the performance isn't good. Um, the fees can change after you buy the policy. And I've seen... And very early on, they don't, but midterm, long-term, they do. Oh, yeah. Right now, the stuff that was sold in you know, the 90s is blowing up. Right. You know, they were sold showing 8 to 12% returns inside the investment side of the insurance policy, and that didn't happen, obviously, over the last decade. So these things are blowing up. People have put thousands and thousands of dollars into them, and they're becoming worthless. I'm with you, and uh, you know, raise your right hand. I, I, I am. I, I have term life insurance. Do you? I do. So we're financial professionals, and we've got term, and we invest the rest. So a lot of things can go wrong with the insurance product, and um, a lot of times with insurance products, Chad, the the commissions up front, whether it's an annuity product or a life insurance product, a lot of time it's take the money and run. It, it's a bad product. Initially, but once you have it, is it necessarily a bad product? Because the, the commission's already out of it for the salesperson and the company. Yeah, I mean, if you've got some of the older whole life policies from you know, Northwestern, New York Life, and they're the whole life good dividend paying ones, and you bought them you know, prior to you know, the 2000s, then you've probably paid all the loads, and you can look at the cash value as kind of your emergency reserves. Right. Um, you've really got to look at it. If you're spending too much and you're not able to max out your 401k or save for your kids' college or other things and you've got these policies, you've got to get a, what's called an enforce illustration. Look at it and see when does the cash value equal the surrender value Yep. Um, to see when you're able to get out of it. And uh, you also have to look at the tax consequence because if you pull, if you surrender it and you're over age, under age 59 and a half and there's more money in it than what you put into it, Yep. It's a tax consequence with a 10% penalty like an IRA, so you might have to roll it over. So quick question for you, because we're starting to wrap up here. Um, when I was 17, I dated a girl who worked for a state farm insurance guy. Mm -hmm. She was like a secretary. She's pretty hot. Um, and my adult life, I've always used Geico and USAA, and they don't have insurance agents. They kind of have like an 800 number, call center number. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong for thinking, I don't really want an agent? I kind of would rather have a big company that gets me you know, volume, volume, volume discounts versus an independent agent who comes to my house and gets to know me. Yeah, I would say that's, that's again, true for about 90% of the population. Um, but I like it when people get all their stuff in one spot because it, it, if you're going to get something from Geico, also get your umbrella insurance there. Don't try to piecemeal your stuff together with different you know discount places because you can end up making mistakes in, in values. And a lot of times to get umbrella, you have to have certain coverage on your auto and home. Um, where it gets into play where you need a real good agent is if you're wealthy. You've got ranches. You've got various homes, and you need to make ranches. sure there's... Seriously, where you and need... And horses. There, and certain types of coverage for, yeah. like, fire. Like, people in 
Morgan Hill, that kind of thing. You, you need different types of coverage. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And you can find me at robblack.com. Chad and I are going to be doing an event together soon. It's going to be a couple Thursdays from now in Pleasanton. There's more information at robblack.com. What's interesting to note is he and I are very different the way we approach things. He is much more skilled as a professional. I'm much more of a bullet shot into trends and what's working and why and the stories behind them. Um, Hopefully, this all makes sense to you. The big event coming up, you can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. Listen to New Focus on Wealth every day from 1 to 2 here on AM 1220, KDOW. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. as well on KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Part of all things financial is getting you to retirement by maxing out your 401k, your 403, your 457. Part of all things financial is to try to cut down on your greed, short-term gains. The the, the more you're looking for, the, the more trouble you're going to get into, which is fine, as long as you know that. So if you think you're going to day trade yourself into riches, good luck. I've met 0.0 day traders who have turned tens of thousands of dollars into millions of dollars. Joining me now, Rafael Tolino from the IRS. Rafael, how are you? Hey, Rob. That was a nice hey. segue from day trading into taxes. I like it. You know, it's, there's so many ways to get wealthy, and there's so many ways to lose your wealth. Um, taxes are just as important as you know day trading. Absolutely. It's opinion. a part of your... My financial picture, and depending on how you uh, create your wealth, of course, so you want to manage it accordingly. That's why uh, that's why people listen to you, Mr. Black. I've known you for many years. I like you. You're one of the good guys, per se. You actually invited me into your home many, many, many years ago and welcomed me to San Francisco. So we have some history, so to speak. Yes, sir. I was honored that uh, we did that uh, back in the day over on uh, when I was up there. It was uh, good times and uh, glad to be part so you're actually an old radio brother as well. Um, let's talk about what the IRS wants us to focus it on and some scam issues. Uh, that would be horrific to be a victim of a scam, eh? Yeah, and you know what? There's a lot of scams out there. I mean, not just uh, using the IRS as a lure, which we'll touch on here, but just in general. You just want to be vigilant out there, and it's not telling you to be bordering on, on paranoia, so to speak, but certainly just be careful with your information. Be careful with how you provide it and who you provide it to and where you provide it, and uh, and just uh, keep your antenna up when things uh, sound like they're too good to be true, you know what I mean? And in, in, in taxes, uh, there's no question that tax filing season, the tax scammers will come out a little bit more using the IRS as bait, so to speak, to get you to provide either personal truths of information or just money uh, related. And uh, every year we come out with our what we call a dirty dozen tax scam 
release related to what we've seen in the previous year related to what scams and schemes are out there to try to get folks to fall prey to. And this year, to nobody's surprise, I'm sure, identity theft is at the top of the list, but and we can touch on that. The other thing that is there that it wasn't there in, in previous years, in fact, at all, were these pervasive telephone scams, which are arising or evolving around the country, and the Bay Area is no different than anywhere else where you're getting calls from uh, scammers pretending to be from the IRS, and what they're doing is saying, hey, we you owe taxes and we demand you pay them on a prepaid debit card or a wire transfer, and just know that the IRS will never, ever call you out of the blue initiating contact on the phone but demanding taxes be paid a certain way, let alone calling you out of the blue, or an email, which is known as phishing with a PH, and that using the IRS saying, hey, you got a refund, provide us with personal intrusive information, uh, give us this information, and what happens is, generally speaking, they use it for ID theft to do bad things to your good name. So those are the two right at the top, but uh, there are others. But the bottom line is uh, the IRS is not ever going to be initiating contact with you in that manner. So what do we do if someone calls mom or someone calls our you know elderly parents and say, the IRS, blah, 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 here's my badge, blah, blah, blah. Hey, our parents are going to fall for it. Raphael. Yeah, that's just, unfortunate because they're kind of they're kind of vulnerable, and some of the phone scams are, are have these nuances that really make them believable. But I guess the, the bottom line is is to is to say to your mom or dad, and I'm in the same boat. You know, my my parents say, hey, look, you know, the the IRS isn't calling you, and uh, if you get one of these phone calls, just know it's not the IRS. If it sounds like it's too good to be true, if it sounds like it's just you know scaring you, and, and I've I've actually talked to a couple of people who have these calls to them, they tend to make the calls to those who are people newer to the United States. So they're a little more vulnerable to the belief that the IRS is going to come and going to take you in custody and do all these different things if you don't comply with their demands. And uh, it's just not the case. So uh, what you tell mom and dad, I think, and I'll use my own personal situation, is to just be vigilant, be careful uh, for anything related, uh, and just know that you need to protect yourself a little bit because there's a lot of people out there who will uh, do what they can to get you to say yes. Part of the list that you sent to me was return prepare fraud. Right. It's one of the one of the bigger scams. And honestly, that freaked me out because that's not one I, I think a CPA is a CPA. I don't ever check their credentials, but he's a CPA. Um, I can see how that one can get in trouble because like I said, I think a CPA is a CPA. If it looks like a tax preparer, it must be a tax preparer, but not necessarily the case. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I would say the majority of a huge number out of 100%, whatever number you want to throw up there, provide. And I know, you know, a lot of folks provide honest, accurate, good service. But there are some unscrupulous folks out there that will prey on unsuspecting taxpayers. And the deal is, one, if they're really sinister, it can be ID theft and those kinds of things related. But if it's a inaccurate tax return and you pay them a fee. Uh, that you're the one left holding the bag, so to speak, for anything related to the information on your return because, and you offer this with a lot of humility, no matter who prepares it, you're the one responsible for the information and what's on it once you sign it. So you want to choose wisely. Choose a preparer looking out in your best interest. Use word of mouth. Um, ask your friends, who are they using if you have never used a preparer before and you're looking to get out there and get your taxes done from somebody? Um, find out if they're going to be around throughout the whole year. Maybe you have a question in August. Make sure they have what is known as a P-TIN number, which stands for Preparer Taxpayer Identification Number, which is important and something we put into play three, four years ago. 
um, use the use the information or use the time to let them or interview them a little bit as you, as, with a doctor or something. You know what I mean? So sure. you want to make sure you're looking out for somebody who uh, will assist you properly. Talking to Rafael Toledo, one of the IRS PR people. Um, we're talking about some of the scams that hit this time of year, but also hit all year round. One of them that came up in the list that you sent out to me was impersonation of charitable organizations. I was talking to my CPA yesterday, believe it or not, on my drive home from work, and I was like, um, I gave a lot to charity last year. He's like, how much? And I was like, I gave a car? He's like, document it. And he's like, give me everything. Um, but, again, I gave to a charitable organization that was uh, probably breast cancer, pink thing that they came and took my old car. Um, I never checked. I never checked them, and then when I did do a little work on them, it's it's kind of a for-profit business that does give some of the money to charity. Yeah, it, it, I would just say, I mean, it, it, just for in general, major disasters, you're going to see a lot of okay. uh, that popping up. You know what I mean? Taking advantage of folks is a goodwill, so to speak, but. You know, in general, when you look to give to a charity, do some quick uh, bit of a background check to be sure that you're giving who you want to give it to out of the goodness of your heart, of course. If you're looking for legitimate tax deduction, make sure it's a C3, a 501c3 organization, so you know it stands up legitimately on your tax return. Uh, if you itemize in the Schedule A, that's where that goes. But you want to be wary of charities with names that look similar. Uh, some phony charities use websites. Uh, don't give out personal financial information unless you absolutely know what you're giving to. Never give out your Social Security number to anybody. Okay, That's the first thing. But uh, just uh, know that you're giving to a recognized charity when you're reaching out like that, just to be on the safe side. And that, that is something we see. We see a lot of that. So glad to make note of that one. Once again, very unfortunate. I was talking to my CPA yesterday, Raphael, and um, one of the things you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago was how easy now it is to deduct a home office. And I've always avoided the home office deduction because eh, it just wasn't going to mean that much to me. But I do work a lot from the home. And I, I brought it up with the CPA, and he's like, you're going to get audited. Um, are there some flags out there like the home office deduction that, that gets you that closer attention by the IRS? Well, the home office deduction is one of those gray area things. It's not black and white. It's not, I have a child, here it is, here's my dependent, here's the Social Security number. Right. You're going to get $3,900 off on your taxes because that's dependent. That's more black and white. In the home office arena, you have to make sure you understand the rules, and based on your whole set of facts and circumstances, do you qualify based on the rules? For example, you must have a room or a portion of your room in your home, for example, that you use for regular and exclusive use for your business in the home. And then, you know, that's the first thing. The second thing is when you do it, how you do it, Based on whatever the business is, then there's nuances involved that will apply the rules, and that will help you understand whether you qualify. So um, the, the new simplified option that we offered last year makes it much easier, akin to the standard mileage optional rate. You know, So when you get a car and you drive it for business, I think it's this year it's 56.5 cents a mile in 2014, or you can choose actual expenses. Well, in the home office deduction arena, we did the same kind of thing. We offered a, an optional, an optional uh, uh, to multiply option, optional option. Can I say that? Where you multiply the square footage of your dedicated office space. I think it's up to 300 square feet by five dollars a square foot, and then you can put that on on your Schedule C, or you can go the old route, which requires a lot more work. So it's just reducing burden and giving folks more flexibility. But certainly. If you qualify for any tax deduction, do take it. 
or, or credit. Do take it, but just know the rules based on your situation so you know you're getting uh, something legitimate. You shouldn't overpay your taxes, as we've discussed, and whatever you could possibly do legally, legitimately, both of those works together, to lower your bill, you should, based on your situation. Thanks very much. It's Rafael Tolino with the IRS. Uh, Media Relations, you can follow him on Twitter. I know this is the day and age where you can follow someone on Twitter with the IRS. Uh, Rafi, R-A-P-H-Y-I-R-S, um, at Rafi, I-R-S. Um, tax is just so important. And, you know, that whole topic there with scams, I can't tell you how many people I run into that are so quickly and willingly ready to part with their money and part with, like, this sounds like a good idea, I'm going to go for it. Um, I'm very leery on franchises for that reason. A lot of overpromise on deliver. Take a break here. You listen to Rob Black and your money. You can find me online at robblack.com. AM twelve twenty KDOW traffic. Over ten cards in the tail in this area. Update frogs. Stocks are trading high. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black. I casually do the show for CFP Chad Burton, New Focus on Well. You can always find me online at robblack.com. I have an event coming up in Pleasanton, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. Um, so it's right around the corner. It is an event that's tied towards retirement planning. It's income and retirement planning. There's various ways of looking at income and retirement planning. Hopefully, uh, you're patient. Hopefully, you take the time with your investment decisions. Sadly, I think most people don't. And I think most people get in a little bit over their heads. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. A lot of what we're seeing this year is leading indicators showing us that 2014 looks good, that we're going to be resilient, that, yes, there's a a polar vortex, which we've declared war on. We're no longer fighting a war on drugs. Now we're fighting a war on cold as a nation. We always have to have enemies, in my opinion. So we're looking at those leading indicators, and we're like, okay. You kind of have to give them a little bit of time to come to fruition. Walmart is a clear indicator on poor people, and they're struggling. Um, I'm not saying that if you shop at Walmart, you're poor, but a lot of poor people shop at Walmart. Let's go to Jason in Concord. Hey, Rob. Um, I have a couple questions. I'm uh, 25 years old. Um, last year, I made about 150000 okay. I have a rental property. Uh, I have another property with my brother. 
uh, I invest in a 401k. My company doesn't match. I do some stocks here and there. I'm just sort of wondering what would be your advice, sort of where to go next. I mean, I understand I can't do a Roth IRA because of my income. Is that correct? Or how much do you make? Uh, one hundred fifty thousand. You you could do a Roth. Oh, I can. Um, okay. Especially, especially, you're in that area where you need to start thinking about whether or not you could do a Roth. But, um, yeah, you should have no problems uh, qualifying at this point in time. If you're doing the 401k, I would do that first and foremost to make sure that you stay under the threshold of what you're allowed to fund. Uh, but, so, yeah, you're in good max out my 401k, basically? I, I, I do. And okay. some some people, and again, maybe you're on this path. Let's let's take this a different you know angle. Maybe you're on the path since you already own two rental properties and you're doing well on your 401k and you're saving money. And for a 25 year old, you have to be the the, the brightest mind I've talked to recently um, for your age bracket. Um, maybe maybe you go half in a 401k, half in a Roth IRA, and therefore in retirement you'll have income out of the 401k that you could be taxed on. Food, you know, rent, homes, uh, things that are cost of living in retirement. Uh, gotcha. And then you could use the Roth for the big ticket things like taking your sugar booger to Egypt and seeing the pyramids. $20,000 trip around the world. <laughs> now, I, I hear you talk about, like, okay, like you're recently talking about Tesla, a 10-year company. Now, would you say, should I be looking at investing in companies for tenure at my issue? I look for companies within, like, because I do like to dabble in stocks. Would it be more, I guess, because I guess I'm really supposed to be more of a, a risky angle at, I mean, my age here. Would I say to go more towards companies like in a year to two-year turn or like a tenure, like what you're sort of recommending, like would it be Tesla investment? Um, let me go backwards and then I'm going to go forwards with this. So if you make over 127000 you may be a partial contribution, so make sure you max up the 401k. You may be in a situation with a Roth where you want to fund a regular IRA and convert it to a Roth IRA in the future. Um, gotcha. as, as far as investing in stocks, you're 25. Do you have a girlfriend? Yeah, a long time. Right, you're 25. Do you have a, are you dating anyone? Um, I actually get married here in a couple months. Congratulations. Make sure that you do that correctly. Um, don't commingle assets until you're really, really sure that you both are going to be together for the long period. Um, I I don't think, Jason, what do you do for a living? Um, industrial automation. Uh, okay, that's... As far as uh, refineries and uh, uh, water treatment plants, I mean, anything that makes anything automation uh, throughout there. the Bay Area. Very cool. And does your sugar booger, does she have a career? Yes, she does. Uh, she actually works in the same career. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're both well compensated. At some point in time, you're going to start making babies probably. Um, that's something you need to start thinking about. Uh, I think my angle that I tried to get information out of you on was that you probably don't really want to be buying stocks that you don't want to hold forever. That's gotcha. probably the easier way to not get into trouble. Of course, Salesforce.com looks damn sexy, and I want you to own it. Of course, there's you know other names out there that I can easily throw out that, yeah, I think you could do for short-term, like Craft Brew Alliance or gotcha. Glue Mobile. Um, and I think those trends are very, 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 very solid. But, again, I, I, I think at some point in time when the wife says, you know, let's make a baby, let's settle down, you don't have time to follow Glue Mobile and what they're doing or not doing. Right, um, right, okay. 
So I like to keep it simpler. Like earlier in the show, we had someone call and say that he had Visa and he sold it. And I have Visa. Right, right. Yep. They're not going anywhere. Um, I have Bank of America, Wells Fargo. I have a Bank of America app and Wells Fargo app. And, you know, my big fear with them is that they don't get into mobile fast enough because I think all banking's going mobile. And yet you look at your phone now and the mobile apps that are there are banks. So they're doing okay. Um, I would accumulate great names um, and hold them for a long period of time and acquire a little bit more of them. And don't try to be a day trader until you quit your job and focus solely on day trading. Yes, there's some sexy, but you only need one pair of thong panties and you need a lot of granny panties. Sexy does not do well over time on Wall Street. Be careful with it. The anyway, views thanks. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. The rules of investing are continually changing. Strategies that served you well in your 20s. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.